What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Backpacking Podcast. Jeremiah Stringer is here with me, the smartest man in Kentucky. And it is our Christmas episode, man. How are you doing? Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. What's up, man? I'm doing great. How are you? Man, I am so excited to do this tonight, but a little bittersweet because this is our last episode of 2020. Yeah, it's the last live stream episode that we're going to be doing. It's crazy to think about, man. And Ever? Not only, no, we're back in January. Oh, yeah. And we have a huge guest for that week, but we're not going to say who it is. We oh, surprise yeah. Some people. Top secret. We're going to surprise some people with that one. That's this is a. This is one of those ones that you just you just don't ever get to do, and we're going to get to do it, so I'm pretty excited about it. But uh, tonight we got a cool guest, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, we got a cool guest. And, and here's here's the best part. Here's the best part. Um, so I just got told I'm in the wrong side of the screen. Where's that? Right here. <laughs> wrong side of the screen. Oh, wait, wait. We got more comments, too. We got like, Beard Fest Begin. Doc Watson. Oh, that is a beard, man. Look at that thing. <laughs> That's awesome, oh Doc. Oh my gosh, that looks awesome. And uh, they like the Santa hat. That's nice. I appreciate that. Yeah, this is my Grogu hat. So I got, I have my little uh, hoodie on. Yeah, I don't think you saw the sides. Look at this. No, I didn't. Oh, yeah. elf ears. I like it. I like it. We're ready for Christmas, man. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Ready. Like it, it is time. And and what's great about tonight is we are going to have a beard fest in this place, and we've got one of the all time great backcountry beards in the history of beardom that's going to be on the show oh and yeah he's a, gonna oh, you know why that's awesome why is that because tonight we are sponsored by outdoor beards and their new scent morning brew jeremiah <laughs> we just had matthew trees on here what, like a month ago yes all about the, this beard company that he has back or outdoor beards and he let us have some free beard products, balms, oils, all that kind of stuff. And I've been using it last for the last couple of months, and it is really nice. Really yeah. nice. Yeah. <clears throat> he actually sent us that stuff uh, like a few months ago. Like, uh, I'd say a couple months before we even had him on. And uh, I've been using the oil like every morning and the balm every night. And also... It is called Outdoor Beards for a reason. If you haven't listened to that episode, I would I would go back and listen to it because we talk about he had everything in mind for people going outdoors. So yes, they have these little tins that have a balm in it for your beard to keep it, you know, from getting split ends or getting brittle and breaking off. And they're a perfect size for backpacking. And the oil typically comes in a glass, like little bottle with a dropper. Nope. His is plastic, so it doesn't break inside your backpack. And then I know you like the little comb, too. Oh, yeah. The comb's great because one side is really fine. The other side's a little bit wider, so uh, you can really clean out that beard nice. And let's just be honest. It's awesome because he, he's got these beard balms that are in tins, but you can get these little tiny ones that you can take backpacking with you. It's just enough for about a week-long trip where you've got that balm with you that you can put in every single day. And it doesn't weigh much at all, maybe a couple ounces. And yeah. <laughs> let's just be many... honest, Jeremiah. When you sleep, when you're sleeping in the backcountry in, in a hammock or in, in your tent, and you've got like, if you're wearing a hoodie at night or you're wearing something to keep your face warm, you wake up the next day. That beard looks rough. That thing is like aimed all different <laughs> directions. It is nice to have something you can put in your beard. Yes, I'm excited. I haven't been drinking coffee this entire month, so I'm excited to get my hands on that new scent. Oh, I know, man. I know. I've got my coffee right here. So, Ohio State Buckeyes, by the way. Go Boo. Bucks. Go Bucks. I, I can see our guest right now shaking his head no as I, as I <laughs> that up. So, let's get past all this. Thank you again to Outdoor Beards for sponsoring this episode. Uh, right now, um, I just want to welcome to the show a phenomenal guest. A guy who is doing everything he can to help clean up the outdoors. That's our good friend, Benny Plug it in, Braden. What's going on, man? What's going on, guys? We're so glad you're on the show. So glad you're on the show. Uh, you have been I got in the my midst. coffee, too. I love it. I love it's it. It's not Ohio State mug, is it? No. No. <laughs> coffee. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you SEC guys aren't too crazy about us Buckeyes, are you? No. Wait, who's your team, Benny? Who is it? Gators. 
Florida oh, the Gators. Gators. Florida actually, Gators. Urban Meyer used to be our coach. That's right, which is another reason why Florida hates Ohio State so much. So, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. So, Benny, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, – by the way, I want to post this up here. I love my wife because she posted OHIO. Oh, Rhea, you know why? you married well when that happens. Just want to point that out. So, uh, <laughs> oh, and, and one other comment, and these are going to happen all the time, Benny. We're going to have comments popping up all the time, but that's a fabulous beard right there. So look at that outdoor it's beards a lot of work. from outdoor it's beards, a lot of work. outdoorbeards.com. Nice. Right. So, okay. So let's, let's ask a question here. You are passionate about leave no trace. Very much so. Passionate. Very about much it. so. I mean, if you, if you think about it, you know, we all use public lands. We all use, you know, our green spaces, parks, things of that nature to shoot some of our videos, take some of our pictures. You know, some of us are making money at it, you know, and I just feel like we need to be given back. You know, we're using those lands. So we need to be giving back in some way, somehow. And there's an influx an influx of people coming to the outdoors right now. Uh, most of them college age kids. And a lot of them just, they didn't grow up outdoors. They didn't grow up going to the parks and things like that, you know, going to the national parks. So when they go, they don't practice leave no trace, you know? So I feel like somebody took the time to teach me years ago how to behave outdoors, how to understand my responsibilities once I go out there. I just feel like it's it's our turn to pass that along. And I I don't want there to be any excuse. If you ever come to my social media, whether it's my YouTube channel, whether it's my Instagram or my Facebook, no excuse why you shouldn't know about Leave No Trace when you leave that channel because oh, I, it's all over it. 100%. You know, it's all over it. Trying to get you to understand the uh, the responsibilities that comes along with geotagging you know, get you to try to think about, you know, the implications of what that may have on that particular ecosystem, all the extra traffic. So, oh no, it, it's just, um, I feel like it's our, our, in order to be good stewards, it's our duty to try to help educate. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm not somebody who grew up in the outdoors like everybody else. I actually, I'm, I'm now 46 and I didn't discover the outdoors really until I was about 40. And uh, I remember uh, getting out that first time and, and backpacking and being blown away with it. But then at the same time, really confused because I was seeing trash all over the place and didn't understand it. Because to me, it just made sense that you wouldn't do that. But mm -hmm. apparently, like, with I've seen the photos you've taken, especially at Max Patch. Yeah. Just people leaving entire tents. That blows <laughs> Man, I wonder that, how much money these people have because I, I, I can't that's afford mostly, a tent. I mean, that's mostly college kids. They're not doing it just at Max Patch. They're doing it at, you know, the Rhone Highlands, Grandfather Mountain, Black Blossom. They're doing it all over the place. And essentially, they can't party on campus because of COVID. So they get kicked off campus. So they got to go somewhere. I mean, college kids has to party. And they just pick these green spaces and... You know, they just get out there and they they stop at Walmart on the way to Max Patch, pick up the cheapest tent they can pick up, the cheapest sleeping bag, and they go. They have their good time. I watched them pull 40-quart coolers up the mountain and, you know, wagons full of firewood and do their thing all the way up until the wee hours of the morning. And the next morning they're so, like, hungover or drunk or whatever, the friends carry them off the mountain and just leave the stuff behind. Uh, just, just the other day, a friend of mine pulled off, uh, I think four tents and three sleeping bags and a bunch of junk off, um, grassy Ridge. Wow. So it's happening everywhere, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate. It's sad, but it is what it is. I mean, if you look up the geotag max patch, uh, since September, there's 11 different college fraternities represented on that mountain. Oh, wow. And it's un it's not uncommon to see 200 plus tents on top of that small mountain. 
Let's take, let's take a second. And for those who like John was saying, may be new to the outdoors and have never heard of leave no trace. I mean, that is kind of a common sense slogan though, right? Leave no trace. If, If people have never heard of it, I think it's important for us to mention just quickly what it is. And then I want to have a conversation with you all about this geotagging because I don't think we've ever really talked a whole lot about that here. So first, um, Benny, do you want to share? I know it's in your um, Instagram bio. You always put on there, um, you know, if you don't know what Leave No Trace is, just check out my bio and read through there. But can you give everybody a short explanation of what basically Leave No Trace is? Yeah, Leave No Trace is basically um, you want to leave it like you found it. You don't want to be trampling on you know, very sensitive vegetation. You want to hike and walk on hard surfaces, on sturdy surfaces. You don't want to be setting your tent up uh, within a few feet of the water. You need to leave animals a, a way to get in and out to the water. Don't need to be pooping in the water or near the water. You need to be about 200 feet away from any streams or anything of that nature. And when you poop, you need to dig a cat hole at least six inches deep. Make your deposit, cover it up, and get out of there. Yep. You know, and uh, and don't be doing it near campsites. Same thing goes for campsites. Stay away from campsites. Um, you need to be prepared. You know, know what the weather's going to be. Know what your terrain is going to be, so that you you're dressed properly. You got the right footwear. You got the right gear. All of that. You have a map. You know where you're going. You're not going to get lost. You have a communication device things of that nature. There's so much that goes in to just leave no trace. But the biggest thing is whatever you pack in, pack it out. out. And really, if you can sum up leave no trace, that's probably the best way I could sum that up. If you pack it in, you need to pack it out. And if you see something that someone else left, grab it, take it out with you. You can erase their trace. See, I like that. You you did a good job of segueing right there. That was nice. I think you've done this before. Uh, <laughs> but uh, one of the things that we want to do tonight is we want to talk about Erase the Trace. And we also want to – I know you're doing a big giveaway tomorrow. You're doing a big giveaway. Well, we're going to yeah. do a giveaway tonight for the best two stories that we have of you, everybody listening right now or watching right now. We're going to give out to the two best stories that we hear tonight. We're going to give away a year subscription to all trails and that is the full subscription. So you've got access to all the maps and all of that stuff. And, and we're going to make that happen tonight. So throughout the night, if you guys like last week, we were asking about your wet out stories this week, give us your packet out stories. Tell us all about the, the trash that you've picked up on the trail. Um, Maybe sometimes when you've gone out specifically just to clean up trash, whatever it is, tell us those stories in about 10 minutes before we close out tonight. We're going to have Benny help us pick out the best two stories of the night, and uh, we're going to give away a couple memberships to All Trails. So, yeah. That'd be the pro membership, which yes. I, I like it. <laughs> I already bought it. I've and, paid for it for the last two years. I love it. Yeah. So I want to talk to you guys about this whole geocaching. And the first time that, or geotagging rather, the first time that I heard of geotagging, which is basically like tagging a location, right? So you put it on your social media, you tag where you're at, and then other people can be like, oh, I want to check that out too. So in, it looks like it's not bad, but it causes some harm, especially heavy foot traffic. So the first time I heard of this was Serial Photog. His name is Adam, but his social media handle is Serial Photog. And he was talking about all these arches and all these waterfalls that he finds um, while he's on unofficial trails. He does a lot of things at Red River Gorge and just around Kentucky and runs a Facebook page for, um, you know, basically Kentucky arches and waterfalls. So he was talking about how he never tags this these locations because what happens is, is they become super popular. And like you said, there's nothing wrong with a fraternity, but there it's too much traffic for 11 fraternities to send groups to one specific spot. And then at some point that spot will probably have to be closed off by whoever's in charge, the forest service or whoever to let that recuperate. 
Yeah, without without question, geotagging is playing a role in overcrowding of not just locations like Max Patch, but also like our national parks, like out west or even in the Smokies. Uh, you know, just everybody's always geotagging where they're at. You know, Instagram, Facebook, all have this option where you can just click on you know the location, and that gives the precise location of where that person's at. And and what makes that so bad is that you're actually giving someone, you're giving everybody a roadmap right to where you're at. But but that's not necessarily the bad thing. But the bad thing is that some people aren't educated and prepared for that responsibility. So they just go in thinking, oh, you know, it's no big deal. I can just walk anywhere I want to walk. No trash bin, fine. I'll just throw my trash down. Somebody will pick it up. I'm sure this is a national park. They have people that pick trash up. Actually, most national parks, some national parks actually don't have people to pick up trash. With the Smokies in general, it's like a college thing that they kind of like, um, uh, it's kind of like an internship kind of deal. College, you know, college kids can come and get credit and things of that nature by doing just different work projects. And occasionally the, the Smokies will have them pick up trash around the visitor centers and things like that. But usually on the side of the road, uh, I don't know who picks that trash up other than just me. So you, you actually went on a rant about that yesterday on Instagram. I, I did. I, I, was pretty, I, I was pretty upset. Yeah, um, it, I, I don't expect to get a Christmas card from the Smokies National Park anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> but, you know, I just I just got upset because some of the trash I was finding was years old. Like the plastic bottles were starting to break down. Yeah. And the, some of the paint or the labeling on some of the bottles were faded. And some of the bottles were kind of like older bottles, you know, like doesn't get sold anymore. That You know how companies will change their logos and different things like that. Some of it was the old logo stuff. And it just made me upset. It, we weren't just picking trash up just along the side of the road. I was going over the embankment and getting stuff that people were chucking out the window. And to me, that ends up in the watershed. So that counts, too. We need that's less litter. That's trash. It needs to be gotten out as well. And I just don't think anybody is like giving an effort, a true effort, into getting some of that stuff off the road. So we only covered like 0.6 miles of Newfound Gap Road near Newfound Gap. Wow. And we had a truckload of trash. That's I a mean, heavily trafficked area. That That's the most popular area probably in the park. You know, you're going right by Alum Cave and all that other stuff, which is a disaster in itself. Um uh, right, and I understand the park service is shorthanded. Um, I've got friends that are rangers there in the park, and I feel for those guys and girls. They're having it rough right now. You know, they can't do a whole lot of stuff, you know, because they're shorthanded. So they're not, you know, doing the things that they typically would do. So they're not really writing citations and things of that nature because that takes up too much time, and they've got to be so many different places. I had one person seen someone park over the white line, you know, a good part of the vehicles over the white line on Newfoundland Gap Road on US 441. And that person, you know, that vehicle was like stopping traffic and someone just parked it, got out and walked, got on the trail. They didn't care. Um, it's those things like that that aggravate me that, you know, our rangers' hands are being tied. Uh, they can't do what they need to do. You know, the, the the budget's so tight that you know they won't hire anybody they can't hire anybody and you know our support organizations like friends of the smokies uh they're already like going at so many different projects that's tough for them to like pull in a little extra money for some of these other projects that really need to be there but in my opinion just my opinion only i feel like um that litter pickup needs to be priority one. Where people are, trash is as well. Yes. And if yeah. you're the most popular, if you're the most visited national park in the United States, you're getting 12.5 million people a year that's coming in. That's 12.5 million worth of trash that's being dumped in, inside the national park itself. 
So, what? I mean, I, I can show you all the graffiti that's written all over the walls. You know, like the big wall there, yeah. the kind of gap that Roosevelt stood on on top of and gave the historical speech. It's got graffiti on it. Whenever I was cleaning up stuff, uh, when I was picking up trash at one of the pull-offs, really beautiful, epic view. You look at the wall, it's graffiti. You look over the wall, you got trash. And then I stepped in some human waste while I was oh. cleaning up. Yeah, that that really set me over the edge, probably. But uh, but yeah, that 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 wasn't really nice. But uh, but anyways, you know, I guess uh, bringing awareness is really what I just was my focus on that. And I dare to say that the Park Service is doing as much harm to the Smokies as the guests that are throwing down the trash. Yeah, you mentioned, by, that. you mentioned that yesterday. Ignoring the By ignoring the problem and allowing it to continue, you become part of the problem. Mm. Oh, I think it is. I think one of the things you said that's super important is their budget is so tight. What Here's what I don't want um, this episode to be. I don't want it to look like I'm uh, some virtue signaler who has never done any of this stuff because I think it's important to point out like where, I don't know about you guys, but where I started, I kind of grew up around the woods, in the woods, hunting, fishing, that kind of stuff. And then I started this backpacking and I still, and this is something that I had to check myself on, is doing the geotagging. All kinds of stuff that I put on Instagram and Facebook has been tagged as the location of where it is. Now, if it's something like um, something I don't want people to know how to get to or something like that, stuff that's been taken off mats because it's dangerous or whatever, then I don't tag it. But if it's at a spot that um, is like very well known, like Indian Staircase or like uh, a place you can just drive to, like at Red River Gorge, I've definitely tagged those. And that's something that I need to evaluate about myself. But my very first trip backpacking, I got to the shelters in the Smokies. It was on the AT in the Smokies. And I remember after hiking 10 miles with this like 65 pound pack on and never backpacking before, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to carry this the next several days. Like I could just leave this full can of bug spray at this shelter. I could just leave these whatever, you know, maybe you brought cans of ravioli instead of something dehydrated. (laughs) And then you're like, I don't think I can carry this is so heavy. Why did I bring three jars of peanut butter? Like it doesn't make any sense. I can just leave that there. I don't like peanut butter. Well, that's true. (laughs) Jeremiah doesn't bring like three jars of peanut butter. He'll bring like 15 bars of chocolate. That's what Jeremiah. To dip in the peanut butter. That's right. Yeah. You know, and I I can tell you, you know, I grew up here in East Tennessee. My grandparents lived at the very edge of the Cumberland Mountains. Uh, So, I mean, when I say at the edge, I mean, literally at the edge, uh, there was like a cliff top that bordered their property. And you could look over down into the East Tennessee Valley, and on a low humidity day, you could see the Smokies oh, wow. over there. My grandparents would throw all their trash over the cliff. From from the time that I could remember to, you know, until they started like getting like dumpster cans and things like that up there on top of the mountain where they lived, because they lived very, very rural. But they would throw everything over, washing machines, everything. And I remember growing up as a kid, going over, going through all that trash and getting out these old vintage like Coca-Cola bottles and, you know, RC Cola bottles, stuff that was worth, that would be worth a lot of money right now. As a kid, they were worth like 10 cents. So I'd take them down to the grocery store and cash them in. Yeah. I had no idea I was uh, throwing away money whenever I was trying to get money. But, (laughs) you know, I, I just remember, you know, they just threw away, they just threw their trash over, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And I just think that's just a culture that some of us have grown up in. I know whenever I visited Turkey, Turkey was just horribly trashed from one end to the other where we were at. Uh, The beautiful shores of the Black Sea, uh, you'd have these little inlets there and it'd just be all clogged up with trash or we'd go across this beautiful like pasture land and you'd be trying to get 
catch a picture of this epic sunset and all this trash will be like in it and you're trying to like frame it where the trash isn't we need to be framing that trash we yeah. need to show people the trash we need to show people the real view of the smokies the real view of our national parks the real condition of max patch in these other places so that people understand that hey we're in a state of emergency we have an issue we have a problem we need to get a handle on this and the only way we can get a handle on it is by making other people aware of it and it's not to demonize nobody or anything of that nature uh but you know it is about bringing awareness and trying to like figure out a plan I know the Forest Service, uh, I think I was told the other day that they've already submitted the paperwork to shut down all camping and campfires at Max Patch. Um, I don't. I think that's a temporary deal for at least a few years. Then after that, uh, I think it's on the table to start permitting and move the trailhead further out so that you can't pull a 40-quart cooler up the mountain. So Yeah. Well, I, so just you know, trying to make it a little more user friendly and and definitely get rid of the parking on the side of the sides of the roads. Yeah, and I was going to say I think a lot of this is I think if you look at society as a whole, there were things that were once acceptable. Yeah. And they're not acceptable today. And Exactly. This is just another one of those things where you may have grown up and this was okay your whole life, but it's not okay now. So there there needs to be change in it. So Or even be in a situation like these college kids, you know, they're not under mom and dad's thumb. So it's like, I can do whatever I want. I can be whatever I want, you know, whatever. And they're just, you know, they're just doing their thing. And I get that, you know, I, I understand I've been there before, but, you know, at some point in time, I hope that they understand that, you know, that that's not cool. Right. Well, you hey, know, but they did, but they did leave twi- a, a 24 pack of Bush light at Max Pat's last time. <laughs> And they were ice cold. I might have had three of them. <laughs> a little treat well, for cleaning up. Well, I did get paid. We got some questions for you starting up on the on the uh, chat real quick, and I want to throw these in. Uh, definitely going a little different direction on this first one, but it's uh, plug it in. As an advocate for LNT, do you have any tips on learning to use a backcountry bidet? I have one, but I'm too nervous to give it a try. And this is a guy who actually sent one to Jeremiah to check out. So. You might be giving Jeremiah some tips as well. I took it over the weekend and didn't have to use it. Oh, nice. Nice. Well, you know, I switched over to the bidet probably a year, two years ago. Um, I can tell you it, it's eliminated all chafing, all that junk because you're washing your under region really good. So you're washing away all the salt deposits, you know, from sweating and all that and all the salt crystals build up. That's just like sandpaper down there. So you're washing all that away. Plus, when you use a bidet, you're also forced to wash your hands. Now, most people who use TP, some of them, you wash their hands. Most of them don't. They'll just use a little little dab of sanitizer and go on with it. Why do you think the neurovirus is going like rampant on the AT in the first few months? Oh, yeah. Because nobody's washing their hands and everybody's touching everything that they you know, everybody's doing this, you know, eating your food. So I'm a big advocate for the bidet, you know, talk Darwin into using one. And uh, he seems to like it pretty good. Uh, as far as technique, I, I don't really, uh, I don't know if we can go into technique details here, but uh, I would love to do a YouTube video on it that, um, uh, can we not have any like visual like representation? Oh, oh, it would be good. It would be good. And actually, I've been kind of working on it a little bit. I already know what I want to do. But part of me, you know, you know, you have this scene of you know someone like you're walking. It's like, oh, I I, I need to use the bathroom. So then you pull it to the day and you walk over. You show yourself digging in the cat hole and you stand over. Then the camera view is like waist up to here. You see your hands do this like you're putting your pants down, and then you drop out of sight. Then the next thing you see is like your close up of your face, and you just kind of, you know, kind of squeeze. <laughs> and then one of those soft serve machines, you know, <laughs> into a bowl. 
Don't use the oh strawberry ice cream. That would be really rough. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get the kind with the oh. nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, to me, it's, it, it's so much lightweight. It's easier to go. And I mean, I typically use about eight ounces of water. Uh, doesn't take a whole lot of water to kind of clean yourself off down there. And uh, carry a little thing of Dr. Bronner's. I carry a dry towel, a little light load dry towel. Everything fits into the side of one of those little uh, Z-Pack zip wallets, one of the little miniature ones. So you get that, you get your liter of water. And I use the same bottle I drink out of. Uh, I never put my bottle down below my butt. I keep it up above, you know, kind of like on my back so it sprays downward. So any, if, and I don't like squeeze it to where water's just flying out. It's unnecessary. Um, you don't need that you jet know, stream, huh? You don't have to have the jets going. Save that for when you're at the hotel. There you, you know, go. <laughs> get your hot tub. <laughs> well, I'm going to read you a few. We've got some people starting to turn in some stories about uh, cleaning up that they've done. Uh, Brittany Collins said, I was backpacking in Dolly Sods, and I shared a cops, uh, campsite with a young couple who the next morning left a metal fire grate and a cabin-style tent that I had to pack out. Longest three-mile hike out ever. That's, Metal fire grate. Those come in handy. <clears throat> I'd be, I'd, I, it'd be everything I could do to keep from, like, wanting to chase those young campers down and Nancy Kerrigan pulling the Nancy Kerrigan, take out their kneecap, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you know take, take a softball bat just go to town <laughs> wrap them up in the tent i don't know uh, oh my gosh i don't know that that's frustrating for sure i, I know it oh, here's, a, here's another one for us uh i came across a 30 foot commercial fishing boat dumped off on the side of a forest road in my state forest all identification were removed just ridiculous so that was planned somebody knew they were going to do that and they yeah. planned it yeah yeah, they That's knew they crazy. couldn't take it to probably a local dump without paying a fee for it. So they just dumped it off somewhere and saved them some money. Unfortunately, that happened. And um, hopefully it was a good boat and they could use it. Yeah. Um, uh, ben McMillan just said, remind me to not watch that video on the big screen. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be in high def. High <laughs> Yeah, and I'm going to tag everybody in it. So, I mean, you're forced to, like, look at it. It shows up on your feed all the time. So, oh it's coming. Gosh. It's it's on the way. Here's another one. Uh, we saw, it says, Mike saw a 40-year-old camper dropped and abandoned. Same thing, no VIN or license plates. Just dropped off in the woods. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, it's situations where when people take something to, like, the county dump, they have to pay like a, a weight fee on it. So if it's like a camper or a boat or anything of that nature, they weigh that and they charge you so much for that. And um, just people being cheap, not doing the right thing. That's what you call a lack of integrity. Oh yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Here's another one. My wife and I were scouting camping locations and we found a full bag of household trash strung up in a tree and just a few yards away we found an entire suitcase an entire suitcase sitting out in the woods i i do a lot of uh my trail that i love is is the shell toy trace i Mm -hmm. I love the trail i always hike sections of it and the section that always breaks my heart the most is near cumberland falls uh on the shell toy trace and as you walk that section it is just uh, there's children's three-wheelers it's stuff you can't just pack out. It's not like you can, yeah. you can put that, throw that on your back and just take off for the next 15 miles or whatever. Um, there are campsites where there's just old trees left out and beat up and paint cans, like paint cans. They're uh, full size, like radio flyer wagons. Um, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out how, why did you take it out there in the first place? Yeah. You know, what always yeah. amazes it's me crazy. the watershed. Like oh, people, yeah. I, I live on Lake Cumberland. And I, I was born and raised here, Lake Cumberland in Kentucky. And people always talk about how dirty the lake is. But there's something something that we got to understand is like the watershed is big. So all these little inlets and all these little creeks and streams that are washing all this trash down are going into this lake. Yep. And so like where John is talking about, 
um, the he's talking about trash up top. It's like pretty good ways above the river. So the river hasn't mm-hmm. been that high, but all along where the river is, you know, you'll see it'll, it'll come up and cover trees. And in those trees, there'll be like tires and coolers and whatever the, the water is, you know, while it's up washes down. It's crazy. Like the width, I guess would be a good way to describe it of the watershed and how much stuff yeah. just gets washed around. Yeah, Fontana Lake is that way too against the Smokies. It'll be just laced with everything from huge chunks of styrofoam to pieces of boats, pieces of just garbage, big 50-gallon drums. Um, You know, here in Roan County where I live, you know, we have the Emory River that flows out and flows out of Morgan County. And when we have like a really nasty um like a nasty flood or something like that i've actually seen huge propane tanks or natural gas tanks that people have on the outside of their houses in rural areas floating down the stream those giant silver ones yeah big giant white ones or whatever you know that people have sitting on the outside or in their yard or whatever that they heat you know used to heat with during the winter time we'll see those floating down the river those aren't fun to catch either that is crazy, man. That's going to take anything out that it crosses. Yeah, yeah. So usually we try to, you know, our local rescue squad and, and um, law enforcement, things like that, they try to catch those pretty quick once once they get inside of, of our county. But sometimes a few of them make it pretty far downstream without hitting anything. Wow. That's but crazy. yeah, unfortunately, you know, you have that, you know, you know, just like with the Smokies and whatever, all that trash ends up in the watershed at some point in time. You know, a heavy rain, a heavy flood washes it all down, and it ends up in our in our water. Long long story short, you know, it's just it's aggravating. I can tell you that, but all we can do is just keep trying to pick it up and get it out. You know, the more we pick up, the less that ends up in our lakes. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, Benny, I want to I want to change directions just a quick second here, because you have been PTS free for how long now? Oh my goodness, uh, I don't even know if I I only I stopped counting that day four hundred uh, in the low four hundreds. Um, I know October seventh of this past year of this year was three hundred sixty five days. So after that, it's all been like, been pretty cool. Man, Congratulations. What, yeah. That's yeah. I, I, I never, never thought I'd see that day. Never thought I'd be where I'm at today, but you know. Much less do it in 2020. Like I'm, the I'm telling you, there, year in history. You know, I'm telling you, there's, there were some times that, that really tested the limits, whether I could actually do it or not, you know, and even just getting started, you know, a year ago, going to reboot recovery uh, to start, you know, understanding what I was dealing with, how to, you know, control my responses and and things like that, understanding the trauma and then going through the divorce and right the following December and just being going through all that. And it was just really bad. And I was able to make it through that. And I knew if I can make it through that, I can make it through anything. And it worked out, you know, um, my house is really peaceful now, so I really like that. And um, so it's just me and my daughter, and uh, and she's pretty cool. She's pretty much like um, like my son. He he was pretty chill whenever he was a little kid, uh, which she's fifteen. Yeah. And uh, so so she's she's pretty good. But I did come close to having an episode when we went to Oceanside uh, a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago actually. Uh, we went out there to visit my son. He's he's in the Marine Corps out there. And um, we went into Walmart. And, of course, everything's like crazy. And it, it was like a normal day there. It was like Black Friday here. And she went in there because she was wanting to make like this huge meal for my son. And where was this? Uh, Oceanside, California. California? Okay. Yeah, actually a really pretty place. But we went into Walmart and she just froze. Like, I'm like, okay, you know what you need. Let's go find it. She's like, I don't know where nothing's at. And she just couldn't move. 
Oh, and and we just we sat there and it was getting more and more and more people and finally I was like you know I could feel it I could feel it building up just her understanding her locking down and just being like frozen you know and not really being able to move kind of deal um, kind of like anxiety or whatever really like put my senses on hyper awareness and then I'm I'm on the edge of like uh, going to the ep- going into an episode. So fortunately, she decided to move, and we got to move, and, and everything kind of died down internally. But I was getting pretty close to the you know the fight or flight stage, and um, but yeah, that that was the only time I've really come like super super close in in the past year or so of going into an episode. My actual last episode was October 8th in 2019. Wow. So, yeah. Congratulations, that was, man. That's incredible. Yeah. That's absolutely yeah. incredible. And, uh, yeah, it, that, that's nothing but God, man. That He's got all that. He gets all the credit for that one. That's, it's not me. That's incredible. Yeah. Chris Rhodes just said, What's up, guys? Just still in the <laughs> chat. You're one fine man, Benny. Thanks for all your hard work, brother. So, yeah. No, Chris. Well, good guy. Yeah. And for those of you who are just now getting on here, we are giving away two pro memberships to all trails at the end of the episode uh, for the best two stories of going out into the woods and helping clean up and getting our public lands looking nice. And we got another story just popped up. Uh, Tyler Campbell Outdoors says we came across an old buried in the mud Jeep Cherokee just north of Mariba on the Shell Toey. Tags removed. Didn't look like anyone was coming back for it. A Jeep Cherokee. Wow. Jeep Cherokee, isn't that I don't mean to trigger anybody, but isn't that the less the the least Jeep worthy Jeep to take out mudding? <laughs> or is that just, I mean I've seen them with the doors, you know, the doors off and it's got a lift kit and it's got some big old mud tires and new suspension. But Yeah, Jeep- I, I've owned two of them. They're they're pretty good. They're good on gas. I never took mine off road though. Mine people do. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people do. I don't know why, but um, they're they're good for like road stuff, but they're not too good on off road stuff. You got to do a lot of stuff to it in order to get it ready for that. Yeah, here's another story, guys. This is a good one. It says I was hiking and stopped where two other guys were. We joked around all night. They left before me and left a bunch of trash. I picked it all up. This is the the best part. I hiked extra long to catch up to them. When I found them, I took my pack off and dumped the trash on them. Gave them a long talk about leave no trace. The next morning, they made me breakfast and thanked me. <laughs> wow, that that, that was that a roller contender. coaster. Boys, that's a contender hey, right there. <clears throat> I'll tell you right now, um, me and another friend of mine, uh, Serana, that works for one of the state parks in North Carolina, we were at Max Patch doing a quick cleanup. Uh, someone had hollered at me and said, "Hey, there's a tent here," so I went up to go get that. And she wasn't too far away, so she said, hey, I'll join you. So we went there. We're picking up trash in the park lot. My hands are all cold, so I'm in my truck getting warm. And I'm sitting there walking through the parking lot picking up trash, and these people pull up, and they get out. And she turns around and starts walking the other way, and they throw trash right behind her. And I'm like, oh, heck no, you ain't. So I jump out, and I run over to them. I'm like, hey, pick that up. You know, I'm like, we're working really hard to try to clean this place up. And the guy's like, oh, it's just banana peels. I, I I figured they would just, you know, you know, rot or something like that. I said, do you see banana trees around here? <laughs> like, if some animals eat that, it will kill them. Yeah. I said, and number one, you're bringing bears and things like that close to here. Do you want to have to be, deal with the bear when you get out of your car? Or do you want a bear in your car when you leave, you know, when you come back to the vehicle? Like, don't do stuff like that. I said, pick it up put it in my trash bag i'll be glad to take it but they were like you know they just thought everything would just rot on the ground immediately you know no big deal and they sat and watched her pick stuff up and walk away and they was like doing it wow one of the saddest things is the bears man like we've we've been kicked out of campgrounds before because the wildlife control has to come in and deal with the bear problem where people will feed them you know, they'll throw stuff on the ground before they go to bed. So whenever they get out of their camper in the morning, hopefully on their trail cam, they have a bear. The bears keep coming back and 
they may get more aggressive, maybe not. And a lot of times what ends up happening is they have to either relocate them or if they're aggressive, euthanize them. And it just makes you so, I don't know, torn up about it. Sad because we, the earth does just fine without humans, (laughs) probably better without humans than with. Now don't get me wrong. I love being alive, but we, we cause a lot of harm and, we we just had to take responsibility for that, you know, but the bears, they're completely innocent, even though, you know, they, <laughs> they'll rip an animal apart. I guess that's pretty natural compared to what we're doing. Oh, there's no question. No question. I mean, the, th- the thing I get upset about is you go into the Smokies and you see like 1500 people surrounding one little bitty bear and it's cub. And they're within like 20 feet, to, you know, 15 feet. You just want to grab everybody by the hair of their neck, pull them back, open their car door, help them back into their car peacefully, close the door, and tell them. <laughs> Don't Nancy carry it. It's time, it, it's like, time to go to car. Denny's. It's time to go to Denny's. So go to Denny's, get some breakfast, Denny's. think about what you've done, and maybe we'll let you come back in. But yeah, oh, because they're euthanizing, you know, the park service is euthanizing these bears when they get aggressive towards humans. That's because the people are making them get aggressive. And that's that's the frustrating part that I wish, you know, we had we were able to have our rangers in those locations to start citing these people, you know, write them citations for doing stupid stuff. And I mean, you see videos of it all the time on online of people getting too close to, to the bears and stuff like that here. and. They think it's funny, well, I'll you tell know. You, so I, I stayed in the Smokies one time in a cabin, and uh, while we were out there, we had they, we had a box where we put all of our trash that was supposed to be bear proof, <laughs> supposed to be bear proof, and uh, we had we had made baked beans or something, and we threw what was left over in the trash can, and shut the lid on it, locked it all up, everything was good. I was sleeping in the front room, and I heard a huge banging noise early in the morning. I wake up, I look out the front window, and that thing is turned over, and the bear has gone in underneath this this giant, probably four or five hundred pound wooden container, and he has taken a trash can that barely fits into the area and turned it sideways, and pulled out that bag of beans and ran up the hill with it, and people want to play around with those. <laughs> They're it's so strong. They are so strong. It's. I remember watching that and then going and looking at the trash can afterwards and seeing these huge punched holes in it from the paws of this bear. And people want to get that close and take pictures. And I, I just kind of want to grab people and look at them and go, you're an idiot. <laughs> and you see people, I mean, you see them in vehicles all the time. I mean, they'll shred. They will absolutely gut, field dress a car in yeah. a heartbeat. You leave some Skittles or M&Ms underneath your seat, that bear's going to find it. And, you know, you stop them by McDonald's on the way to the Smokies, so you have all those food smells. And you walk away from your vehicle, you get to your rental cabin, and you go inside, and a bear's in your car the next next second. And there used to be one that used to hang out downtown Gatlinburg around Smoky Mountain Brewery. You just see him just kind of walking around, you know, doing his laps. He stayed. He actually lived over next to some apartments, some condos. Um, it's kind of funny watching tourists. They'd be walking to go into the restaurant. Next thing you know, bam, there's the big bear, you know, yeah. right in front of them. They're not expecting that. And, you know, I get a lot of people saying, oh, where can we go see bears in the Smokies? Go to Gatlinburg. They're everywhere. Yep. Yeah, just go in the city. <laughs> They're everywhere. Yeah, because that's where the food is. I was going to say, I hiked up the Little River Trail there near Gatlinburg. And yeah. uh, we, were, we were going up to Campsite 30, which is on the far end of the, the site, or the far end of the trail. And we were camping out there. But on the way, we had so many people walk by and go, there's a bear up here. You should hurry so you can see it. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to be anywhere near that bear. Like, what is wrong <laughs> with you people? Like, it's not a zoo. <laughs> yeah, the other day on my way out of the Smokies, uh, I got kind of stuck in a bear jam. Uh, you know, people see bears on the side of the road, so they just lock them up. And they don't care if they're parked in the middle of the road or not. 
they they're just focused on the bear. So I'm like being like the ugly local and I'm blowing my horn and everything to them to go because they're blocking traffic. But I mean, a lot of these bears are just being harassed by people and they'll get out of their vehicles. They'll stop in the middle of the road, get out of their vehicles to go look at the bear and leave their vehicle right in the road. So traffic can't do anything. That's Dude. whenever you wish. That's when you wish you had a a, a ranger that was allowed to write citations. Yeah, that, that's I've been in a bear jam before. That's what I always I call them bear jams because that's yep. what they are. It's yep. like they just leave their vehicles right there instead of pulling off the yeah. side of the road and let other people get around. And you can be stuck there for up to an hour or two hours, not moving yeah. at all. Yeah, it's all it's because stupid. somebody saw a bear. Yeah, yeah it kind of makes me want to go pull somebody's valve stem out. Yeah. <laughs> When I was hiking, uh, doing this section from Damascus to Grayson Highlands um, on the AT, then there was like a shelter. I don't remember the name. It might have been like Thomas Knob or or something like that. Yeah, Thomas Knob Shelter. Yeah, so they, they had, I think, had recently closed it, but they had opened it back up because they closed it because of bear activity. Like that's a mm-hmm. high bear activity area yeah. anyway. But with these bears had just like demolished the bear boxes, like had completely flipped them over. And I don't know how much those things weigh, but I, I mean, I don't think I can lift them. And they put um, electric fence around them. Well, here on the East coast, a lot of times we'll use uh, like those Klein toolboxes, you know, that you can get at home Depot or something like that as bear boxes. They're not rated for that. Uh, what they need to be doing is buying actually bear bins that they use in the national parks, let's say like out west. Uh, those things, bears can't get in those. Yeah. But these, yeah. you know, these little like climb toolboxes or whatever that you get at Home Depot, they're, they're thin metal. Bears, the hinges on them aren't, aren't strong. Bears can get in those pretty easy. Yep. It's all fun and games until you get mauled by a bear. Tell one thing you can't. Uh, we got another good story here from Midwest Backpacker. He said, this is Jeremy. He said, I came into a campsite. The hiker was packing up from the night before. She started leaving and left her cook kit, three days worth of clothes, and a package of paper napkins. Said her pack was too heavy. Ugh. Wow. What in the world? Who who was it that was telling us that a lot of times it was uh, people on horseback that does a lot of trail maintenance and cleanup? Because I that's, was complaining. That's along the Sheltoe Trace, actually, that they do that. I think it's very common in other er- areas because I was complaining that, like, sometimes I walk on trail and it's beat up by horses. And I think it was on mm. this podcast. And they were like, well, don't complain too much because the people on horseback are the ones that are carrying out a lot of um, stuff that's left over from people. Do you remember yeah. who that was? Yeah, that was you and I talking about it because there was a big conversation about it on Facebook, actually in a Facebook group where they were talking about that. And not only do they do a lot of the cleanup of trash, but they also do a lot of the trail maintenance, actually cleaning up the trail. They'll be the ones that bring in bags of sand and dirt and, and fill in the areas where the horses have destroyed the, the parks and everything. You know, I think Ricky Vandegrift might've mentioned it. Cause I think he was a Ridge runner Yeah. or was. yeah. What were you going to say, Benny? Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Well, in the Smokies, a lot of times you'll have people on horseback that'll, uh, either carry out stuff or whenever they're doing like a trail project, mm-hmm. they'll use the horseback to carry in uh, some of the heavier materials to do some of the work, like whether they're rebuilding a privy or maybe doing some maintenance on a shelter. They'll use horseback to bring those things in. Gotcha. Very useful but, resource. But I'm, but I'm one of those with, you know, I, I'm with you. I hate seeing a trail where, Horses are allowed because they ride out the trail so bad. Um, but at the same time, the horses do, you know, provide a lot of usefulness when it, when you're talking about maintenance and things of that nature. So it's kind of a love-hate relationship. Yeah. Sometimes they overlap. We had yep. somebody here with this story about a bear encounter. Said we have, we've had three encounters while camping. One circled my tent, growling at 3 a.m. It was pretty intense. I banged on a fire ring and sang Led Zeppelin's Immigrant Song, and it went away <laughs> after 20 minutes. That's a long rendition of Immigrant Song, I just want to say. <laughs> that is that'd awesome. Be, that'd be intense. 
That would be intense. That's a bear deterrent. <laughs> His <Yeah>. Led Zeppelin. <laughs> well, guys, we are at the 56-minute mark. We need to pick out a couple winners for uh, these all trails. So uh, what stories do you – like just sitting here thinking about the stuff we've talked about, what sticks out in your head? Well, we got quite a few. And I remember we said one was a real, real contender. I don't remember which one that was, but that would be, I would uh, stop where two guys were. We joked around all night. They left a bunch of trash, and he actually went after them. <laughs> I think that guy's winner. I, I think Richard Stamper is going to win one of these. He gets my vote. Unless yeah. Richard, if you already have uh, the pro membership, let us know, and we'll give it to somebody else. But or you could get it. That could be your. Uh, Renewal? Uh, could be a yeah a renewal or Christmas renewal. gift. Yeah. So that was a good one. There was the uh, this one that was the uh, my wife and I were scouting locations. We found a full bag of household trash, and just a few yards away, we found an entire suitcase. And something was commented on about that after it said, uh, "I was afraid uh, I would be afraid of opening the suitcase and may contain body parts." And he said, "Yes, our thoughts too." But luckily, it was empty. So <laughs> they apparently packed that stuff out. So I was thinking that. One. I was yeah. thinking that. That was a good one. There's one more that was really good up here. Um, there was Brittany's here. Uh, the one in, in Dolly Sods. She's sitting at a camp with uh, people who left a metal fire grate and a cabin-style tent that she had to pack out for three miles. So uh, that, That's definitely worthy. Yeah. So, I like I like Brittany's. You like Brittany's? Yeah. All right, that's a lot so of hard work. She needs to be rewarded for that absolutely, hard work. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Brittany and Rich... You guys are our winners. I know Richard Stamper. That dude's from out west. So good looking out, guys. Good looking out. Yeah. Enjoy. Shoot us an email to backpackingpodcast at gmail.com. And Jeremiah will take care of you. He's Yeah, he's we'll get guy, you hooked up. He's the smartest man in Kentucky, so he can make sure that you get everything <laughs> you need. It's all a legend. From this. Well, Benny, <laughs> it has been awesome having you on the show, man. Yeah. And we will all be excited finding out who wins the uh, – Hashtag erase the chase challenge tomorrow. Uh, yep. You've really put in a lot of work on that. And I'm excited to see uh, the results. Yeah, we'll be doing that. three drawings, one at 9 a.m., one at noon, and then one at 3 p.m. And you're not going to win just one item. You're going to win like a bunch of items. So all this stuff will be coming directly from, you know, the, the corporate partners. So it's going to be like Christmas at Christmas. And uh, so people like Ultra is going to be sending, you know, you can win a pair of Ultras, a brand new Sub Nero Z-Packs backpack, um, app gear, hoodie, uh, enlightened equipment, revelation quilt, just so much more stuff. I mean, it's going to be like pretty dang cool. Uh, Just really, really humbled that a lot of these companies, you know, wanted to partner on something like this, you know, Sawyer is giving everybody a free filter, you know, water filter. So it's pretty neat. And even with ultra ultra says, okay, you pick the, the model, you pick the color, you pick the size. If we have it in stock, it's yours. Wow. How incredible is that? That, that is cool. You want to see something so, else that's cool? You want to see something else that's really cool? Brittany just said, thanks guys. I already have the pro membership though. I would love to share the love with somebody else. So love it. that's really cool. Brittany, if you know someone who needs it, when you email us, let us know who that person is and uh, we will be sure that they get that membership. That is, that is just outstanding. Awesome. That is awesome. Well, Benny, why don't you give everybody a rundown of how they can find you on social networks and uh, YouTube and all that kind of stuff. Why don't you just give everybody the rundown of your, your stuff? Well, it's pretty easy. If you just look up, plug it in hikes on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you see this mug. It's me. Uh, or you might see like this logo. That's yeah. Cool. Ben said he sent that to you. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. She's, she's pretty sweet. I like that background design that he did on that. So that's yeah. kind of cool. And um, so just real quick, we're also doing uh, a different project next year, uh, TN56, where we're going around to all 56 state parks. And we're also sharing stories of uh, other first responders struggling with PTS. So we're doing that. So we'll have hopefully some of these up for sale to support that effort and uh, raising money for reboot recovery and things of that nature. 
So awesome. pretty neat. And pretty I think neat. that we didn't we talk um, some about that in our last episode with you. Like if people wanted more information or hear more about it. Yeah, yeah, and that's that has its own Instagram as well right now. Pro- look up Project TN56, and um, you can go and follow that and follow all the stuff that actually starts at the very first of the year. So uh, we'll probably do my story first, and uh, I'll do it at Prison Head, home of the Barkley Marathons, about 50 miles of trail in there. And also we're visiting all 56 state parks, but we're also hiking all 1,300 miles of trail within those those park boundaries. So we've got a got a busy busy year in addition to the TGO in Scotland and possibly the the JMT over in California. Oh man. It's just but yeah, you know, a rough it, life, man. It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. And and I'm campaigning, I'm campaigning to um, go to Iceland as well. There's a filming project that's that's going to be going on over there. And uh, some campaigning to be part of that crew because uh, I'm pretty good friends with everybody that's going, anyways. And uh, so I'm lobbying pretty hard. That's that's awesome. Uh, that's awesome. I hope you get in, man. Yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed Highline. I loved Highline. I've watched it about three times now, and yeah, well, uh, really, yeah, and it. it's yeah, and it's out Mercer Film that's doing the the filming project. It's going to be kind of similar to Highline, but a little bit different. And um, but yeah, Highline, it's still out there. People can go see it. Uh, it's on Amazon, um, Amazon Prime. You can do Google Play. You can do iTunes. Just look up Highline. You see the poster right there. Yeah. That's the visual movie poster. And uh, you can check out the beautiful terrain of Utah and hear some incredible stories of people who hike and why they hike, including mine. Yeah, that I will say that that's what made me go back and watch it over again. The stories are unbelievable. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, they really are. They really are. And you know, even some of the stories I didn't even know about some of the guys, that, and I've been friends with them forever. So I just showed you how deep and how detailed some of those stories were gotten. You know, yeah. and uh, I think maybe eventually we're going to do uh, a smaller mini documentary to pick my story up where Highline left off. And uh, share a little bit of that. Maybe Project TN56 might be a part of that project. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Benny, thank you so much for being on tonight, man. Yes, sir. It, it's always it fun awesome. to hang out with you guys. Oh, yeah, dude. Always. <laughs> always. We're yeah, going to have you on we need again. To figure, I mean... We need to figure out how to do this without like all this computer stuff. Like actually get together. I'm one hour from the Kentucky border. Well, you know, we have done this podcast from a fire pit before right like we've we've actually done this around a campfire so there's nothing saying we couldn't come down and meet you in the smokies at some point or we or we could do big south fork that's like neutral territory it's on state border yeah yeah it'd be almost like the georgia you know georgia florida football game totally on kind of like neutral turf on the state line I like that. Let's like do that. it, man. I'll text you. <laughs> we'll set up. We'll set up a trip. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Sounds good. Well, man, have a good one. Thank you for being on again. And if you want to hang out in the green room for just a little bit, we'll come back and talk to you here in just a couple yep. minutes. All right. Yep. We'll see it. Every time. Beautiful human being, man. Love having that man on this show. Love yes. Having him on the show. Well, Jeremiah, this is the last one of 2020. Yeah, the last live stream of 2020, and. For those who uh, have been enjoying the podcast, we do have some other episodes that are going to be coming out that uh, they don't have a guest, but we we made a little extra content for you guys. We love you. Yeah, those are going to be on Anchor soon and actually on the Backpacking Podcast YouTube channel, which does exist. Yes. So if you're interested <laughs> in checking that out, you can go there and check those out. There will be video up of those podcasts. And uh, like I said earlier, we have a huge massive guest who is not just infamous in the backpacking world but also infamous in the world period i'm just going to leave it at that i don't want to give any other clues um and we may even throw it out there at some point that uh we are maybe having a get maybe we'll just i'm just saying this i haven't even talked to jeremiah but maybe we'll have a giveaway if you can guess 
who this guest is <laughs> and guess it correctly. Maybe we'll have a little giveaway for that. I'm having fun giving away stuff, Jeremiah. We've done this for two yeah. years in a row, and I'm enjoying this giveaway stuff. So uh, maybe maybe we can do a little giveaway if somebody can guess who our first guest of the next season is. Because I don't think they're going to, Jeremiah. No, I don't think so, but it's very exciting. Yeah, I, it, It's not Barack Obama. Um, <laughs> but we do have a really cool guest that's going to be on the show, and we're excited about it. And uh, it's going to be fun. Next season is going to be fun. we got a lot of things already lined up, and it's going to be crazy. Awesome, man. It's going to be crazy. Well, I've had fun tonight, dude. This is great. Yeah, man. You got anything else to say before we sign off for the year? Uh, much love, folks. We'll see you soon. Absolutely. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in tonight, guys. Have a great night, and we will catch you in about a month. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs>